This is firefighter Raphael Poirier reminding you that every day a portion of every Firehouse Subs purchase goes towards helping first responders. Try the new pastrami Reuben, loaded with hot pastrami, sweet and tangy slaw, and melted Swiss. For a limited time, get a medium pastrami Reuben for just $6.39. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time offer at participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. Good morning. Good morning, Robert. What's up, everybody? Good morning. This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. We are being heard right now on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Spreaker, on Google Play, on Anchor. Golly, and what else? Stitcher. Yeah, good morning, everybody. So, everybody right now watching on YouTube and Facebook, good morning. It's nice to see you guys. Um, And, of course, if you're listening on the radio, you can check us out at Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude on Facebook. It's good to see everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I shaved. (laughs) My my caveman beard is gone. Um, I've got a really big meeting at 1130 and looking like... Grizzly Adams or a professional wrestler, I don't think is going to serve me very well. So that's what we did. Um, first things first, I'm grateful. Good morning, John. And right after John complimented me on my beard too, I shave it. <laughs> so good morning. Uh, so first things first, I am grateful today because I learning how to look at life through a different lens sometimes is is one of the biggest challenges like when we feel like things are happening to us and life is happening to us it's really not the case and learning to be able to shift perspective gives a new perspective and sometimes that in itself is something to be grateful for and that is what i'm experiencing um today because you know life throws a lot of curveballs um you know sometimes those It's really, really challenging to be grateful when a door closes or an opportunity fails or, um, you know, we're looking at it like, golly, I was expecting this to happen. And then it, it, it just falls through at the last minute. You're thinking, why in the heck is this happening to me? But sometimes those moments are exactly what we get to be grateful for. So that today for me is something I'm very, very grateful for. Um, I'm also very grateful for our upcoming guest this morning, uh, an incredible human being. Uh, First off, Charles, aloha, brada, good to see you. Robert, always great to see you. John Whitwood, Lisa, my London princess, always good to see you. Uh, Rachel Johnson, always good to see you. Jim Weaver, good morning. Uh, Yeah, the dome is... uh, is on point and my face may be a little bit red because I always right before the show you can't see it with the beard but right before the show I put on face camp which is the skincare line that I love and the first thing it does is make your face flush so <laughs> that's how it make keeps me looking young because really secretly I'm 986 years old anyway no good morning uh let's get into this our guest hold on I just lost it here we go So our guest, like I said, is incredible human. We scheduled this interview months ago and we spoke last night 
And it was like, oh my gosh, we haven't talked in forever. But Joshua Shulman, yes, another Joshua on the show. There must be a sign from the universe that something special is about to happen. Joshua is an award-winning public speaker and a corporate sales trainer and even poker coach with a unique communication training company that teaches entrepreneurs, engineers, realtors, all kinds of business professionals, even teens, how to better pitch, present, and persuade. Soon he'll be rolling out his popular communication courses and seminars with an exciting new technology of virtual reality as a modality to give the ultimate audience experience teaching public speaking that will amaze and effectively coach these essential business and life skills to set all. Whether you are introverted, have English as a second language, or even learning difficulties. I cannot wait to get my hands on this. He has an extraordinary life journey as a child, as an aspiring, inspiring, back up. He has an extraordinary life journey as a child of an inspiring Holocaust survivor. Going through cancer, multiple serious injuries, 13 broken bones, golly, tremendous family loss, and all with a remarkable embrace of adversity and gratitude. Uh, you guys can check him out at getcoachingfromsci.com. Um, all this stuff is in the comments that you can see on the radio and on Facebook. Uh, he is at Joshua under slash Shulman or underscore Shulman. Instagram, you can find him at Joshua Shulman. And of course, LinkedIn, uh, just look at find him there. This guy's an amazing human being. And you talk about stories of overcoming. You talk about stories of victory. You talk about stories of gratitude. Joshua's the guy. That's why. Good morning, Cinnamon. Great to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get him in here. Uh, Jim Sh Jimmy the Ninja, always good to see you, my man. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joshua Shulman. How are you, Nameson? How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Welcome to Morning Gratitude. And first things first, sir, what, 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 are, what are you grateful for this morning? Every time <laughs> before I go to bed at night, I write down everything I got to do the next day because I get so overwhelmed with so many things. And I feel if I can write it down before I go to sleep at night, I can sleep more soundly. But I also do the same thing. I write things that I feel really grateful for and really appreciative and I've gone through a lot of crazy stuff in my life. I don't feel I'm a particularly lucky person in that sense. So sometimes just waking up <laughs> right out the bat, you're like, I'm there. I'm there. I've done this part. So that's pretty cool. But I'm grateful for a lot of things. I, 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 so last I feel I meet so many interesting people every single day and they all have tremendous stories. Every single person has a story. Right? And so that, that, that makes me feel really content in that sense. And the sense of purpose, which is I think one of the biggest challenges folks have is finding what's that purpose for themselves. What is your purpose? You know, it's changes over the years, right? I mean, you, you go through certain experiences and you say, you know what, this is not important to me anymore. I was talking to this young kid recently, we were talking, I'm a car guy, I love cars. He says, I want to buy a new car. I said, well, what kind? He says, well, it's really fast and this and the other. I didn't know you like cars. He said, no, it's for the girls. <laughs> Ooh, listen to me. If you get if you get a particular car for the girls, the girls are gonna want the car, not you, man. You know, it's like this element of being really sick. You know, genuine in what it is you want and why you want certain things, right? Most of us are aspiring for all kinds of stuff. It can't be just stuff, oh, right? It has God. to be how you feel. And so I love that. And, you know, I was talking, one of, I have students from all ages, from 14 years old to 80, 
And I love like finding what it is about them and how they express their enthusiasm and energy. As we get older, we lose our enthusiasm. We lose our energy. We just, we feel it's not cool or this, that, and the other. And I love that. I wake up every morning, particularly when I have my younger teens in the morning uh, classes, I, uh, online or live, I, I love their energy. And I try and capture that myself. And, I, and then I, I juxtapose that with my 80-year-old client, right? And find that balance. I, I'm not setting you up for a trick question here, but because I know you do work with the youth, what would you say about the most understood thing, the most misunderstood thing about the youth, uh, the millennial generation? Like there's, they have all of this, the people that are older, even my generation, I'm kind of in that gap, but there's a stigma against them. What would you say is the most misunderstood about, mis, most misunderstood thing about them? I think they're getting a bad rap. You know, a lot of these kids are so excited. They have access and using technology in a way no one has ever done before. They're having opportunities that they never had before. So a kid asked me recently, a millennial, he said, uh, Josh, I don't want to work for anybody. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just don't want to work for anybody. I'm going to do it on my own. I said, you know what, here's the thing. Because people can come out the gate swinging. We've seen this in business and life all the time. we got guys like Zuck, right? Zuckerberg or, or even Steve Jobs. But then we see the challenges that they have. Heck, they, they fired Steve Jobs, right, in the 90s. And Zuckerberg certainly went through his trials and tribulations of finding his footing as he becomes a grown man and making better judgment and decisions. But sometimes working for someone gives you the advantage to see how they do things and how you can do it better. Absolutely. Because, listen, I've been doing this for 30 years. I just turned 50 this year. And I looked under the hood of over 45 companies. And, and we all know this. This is very interesting. Oftentimes, the left hand does not know what the right hand is doing. <laughs> right? All the time. We're seeing this on major companies, Fortune 500, small mom and pops. People are a little confused about what their process is. And, and that's what I'm really, that's kind of part of my goal is to work with them, with young folks that they have that energy. And if their ambition is sound, it can't be just about chasing money. You know? Sure. It can't be just. I tell them, look, if you just chase nickel all the time, money, 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 then all you're doing is acquiring crap and stuff. But if you're doing it because you want to genuinely, help someone or, or find reason or purpose to, to assist someone else, the money will find you. It will. Absolutely. Because, you know, and I'm not talking about high food and stuff like The Secret and things like that, which are beautiful and I'm sure people have a connection to, but you still have to put the effort out. You gotta do, you gotta get the skills. You gotta do the things that are necessary to bring yourself to another level. What, why is it, in your opinion, and I think that there's a shift happening in major corporations, but in my experience, when I worked for somebody, it seemed like companies are where vision goes to die. Meaning, if you have a young, uh, just energetic, high energy uh, guy with a lot of ideas, and, and, and he's obviously a visionary, and he's really good at putting people together, but yet he comes up and he goes to middle management and goes, oh, I have this idea, I have this idea. What is the, why is it that in that situation people get suppressed or they get ignored or they get blown off or even better yet, they get fired? Why do you feel like there's a shift happening in corporate America or do you feel that that culture still remains? Well, you know, we see in this country right now a divide between people ideologically, politically, uh, for very many reasons. But we also have a gender gap now, though. And we have some resentment. There's people who are expressing a sense of frustration. Uh, you know, I work a lot with realtors and mortgage and insurance folks, people who work in what's called this. Uh, you know, selling to folks in their sphere of influence, right? Mm -hmm. Affinity group. 
And they find after six, seven months that they haven't really built a good network, they went, you know, went running out of people to talk to. And that's part of the challenge in, that they, they face on that. And so I was working with an older gentleman and he said, he's been a realtor for 45 years. He said, Josh, can I talk to you privately? I said, sure. He said, I feel like, a, like I'm a fraud. I said, what do you mean, man? His name's Fred. I said, what do you mean, Fred? You're not a fraud. He said, no, seriously, man, the last 10 years, 15 years, I feel like it's been going by. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I'm struggling, man. I, I'm, I had maybe three houses this year that I sold. You know, these kids are crushing it, six, seven houses a month. I said, so let me ask you, what, what are we doing here? Let's, let's talk about that. Are you on social media? Well, no, that's not nonsense. Just right away, miss something. That's such an extraordinary part of the process. Right? Yeah. Then we talk about droning, right? How you can use droning or photography more effectively to present your homes. About how you do your listing presentations, then, right? And then I said, Fred, can I see your phone? And he shows me his phone, and it's one of those flip phones, right? One of those razors. I said, dude, work with me so I can work with you, all right? So we can get you back to level because you've got the skills, right? These kids are hustling because they're using tools that you never thought of. Right. So when I came out swinging as a sales guy in 1991, right after college at USA, man, I should get my first job in sales because all we had was shoe leather, right? You got your feet, you got literally yellow pages, and you got a roll of dimes. That's how you, I was selling advertising. Uh, oh, my gosh. And so it was about persistence, but now look at all these tools. When you go and you sell or present to a company, you know everything about them. Mm. And so for that element, I think it, he needs to step up. And a lot of those folks who are in the management level are very intimidated by the younger guns who have that. And now younger guns are becoming managers and they're changing the whole process flow, the whole spectrum. And this is an intriguing way, right? People aren't answering phones anymore, they're texting. Yeah. And for an older guy or gal who's been in real estate for many years, and that's not the way you did business, We've got to conform. We've got to adjust and change. My grandfather used to say all the time, it's really key. You've got to work smarter, not harder. I agree. And I'm a big fan of Marco Polo um, because text message has got me in trouble because I can tend to be sarcastic and pretty direct. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to just start using Marco Polo where I can, you know, talk into it. You can see my face and you know when I'm being a smart aleck. And like, I, I'm doing business that way now and it's becoming a lifesaver. And, and also it allows you where if you're in the middle, I work, I love to work in flow. So if my phone's going off, it's a distraction to stop and text. But that Marco Polo's sitting there waiting for me when I'm ready and I'm like, oh, okay, and I can message back. It takes that long. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's so funny too, you mentioned the flip phone. My father, yeah, Mike Rose says Marco Polo solid. That's how we communicate. Um, and Selena says millennials have been able to adapt to our new way of technology and make that work for business. You're absolutely right, Selena. Selena is an up, up and coming entrepreneur, podcast host, incredible human being. Uh, actually, Selena, that uh, Joshua would be a good person for you to uh, connect with for sure. On uh, look, at, check him out on LinkedIn for sure. Um, my father had a flip phone up until. He started doing full brain radiation for his melanoma. And he waited and waited. And I was like, Dad, come on, get with it. And finally, he got an iPhone, but it was when he really couldn't even use it anymore. But it just when you said that, it reminded me of my father. Um, I want to ask you, what do you think? Because the, the virtual reality is such, it, it offers so many, full, many wonderful potential things for business, for for entertainment, it's incredible. What do you think, in your opinion, because you've been involved with it a little, I mean, you know more about it than I do, 
What do you think the potential pitfalls are that we should watch out for with virtual reality? Okay, so right now what's interesting about virtual reality is that the public, public consciousness is limited. A lot of people don't know much about it, how it works. They don't know the distinction between VR and AR, which is called augmented reality, mixed realities, and different formulations, what that means. What is it for? Is it for gaming? Is it for education? Is it for porn? Is it, what is right. it? Right? They don't understand how it applies to them because they don't own it and they haven't seen it unless you're in the mall and you walk into a Microsoft store. And even then, you don't just pick it up and do it. You have to register, go through the little process, they teach you a little bit about it. Right. So it's too much for most people. So, so it's very interesting because I brought a bunch of friends and colleagues and stuff to go see recently Ready Player One movie, Spielberg's movie which I was very excited about because life is about timing and, and, and sequencing. And so this movie presented VR to the world in a way that a lot of people never heard about it, right? And this is very, very key. But what my concerns about the pitfall is this. People equate, let's say, VR with public speaking as in like getting over a fear, like getting over your fear of heights or getting over your, your fear of public speaking. That's the application it's been thus far. The reality is it's not. It should be. How can now we teach a skill set? Right, a webinar essentially on steroids. Instead of three sure. to five hundred people in my live seminars or online, you have three to five thousand people. You can have access to an extraordinary opportunity for people to do things they never did before. For instance, there's access for extraordinarily funny people, comedians who are never gotten a break before. And forget things like YouTube. I'm talking about we can through what's called volumetric capture and having uh, photography at certain venues. We could have, for instance, five thousand young comedians or old over at Madison Square Gardens. And they can, right, because we, we can all be in that environment. What we do is we take your photograph, we envelop it on what's called an avatar, and it has humanoid characteristics like scratching your head or raising your hand or crossing your arms in disbelief or clapping or cheering. And based on the intonation and cadence of the speaker, we can gamify it too. So if you say, um, uh, like, you know, or distracting gestures, you lose point value. Wow. Imagine if you're doing that and you want to do your five minute set and you're a young kid in, in Iceland, you can then do this in front of all these folks. You'll get exposure. You'll get the opportunity. It's different than YouTube, right? Wow. Now, I talk to people on webinars all the time. They get nervous, a little anxious, just as if they were in a live person, uh, audience, but they don't see people. Right. But imagine when you're wearing the, uh, the device and you're looking around and you see all those people. We have a demo build at the Dolby Theater right now. My girlfriend tried it. It was amazing. She got such a kick at it. The engineer <laughs> put it on her head. And she looks up, she sees my PowerPoint on IMAX, right? The Dolby Theater. I said, honey, get up and just walk five feet. She walks five feet, she turns around, she's looking at 2,000 people. And her heart dropped, jumped out. She's very shy, a little anxious about that. You know how opposites attract. Yeah. And boom, she had the experience. So I'm very excited where we go with this. New, it, this is changing exponentially, literally every few months, as we have new devices, I mean, new opportunities about how this can work, how the bandwidth will change, how access to this uh, devices will work. I work with a lot of real estate companies, so you can imagine we can use this for sales training or, or any kind of corporate training, kickoff meetings. Instead of bringing all 800 people of your company around the world together on a plane, which is kind of an expensive venture, right? We can all come together on this, on the couch at your home, wherever you might be, and be in that space and actually connecting visually. Because really, what's interesting about VR, the brain can't tell the distinction if this is a real experience or not. What? No, so imagine you're standing on the precipice of the Grand Canyon in a virtual reality experience. When you walk forward and look down, if you're standing on the edge, not on one of the glass uh, four bottom uh, uh, walk planes, <laughs> you will not move forward. Your body will say, stop, stop, stop. 
it will not recognize what's exactly going on. So that's a fascinating element of where we can go with this and how we can get past these. Because I believe things like public speaking, and it's very important for presenters with, with people with English as second language or folks who are introverts, right, have great beautiful ideas and they can't bring them to market. Well, now they can get over it systemically and learn the process flow of what is about communication and then just use the modality of the R to bring it to the masses. That's the point. It's not, you know, at first it's cool, but then later on it's just like normal. Look, the internet is a normal thing for us. You and I are having a conversation right now. This is just a normal kind of thing. Maybe yeah. 20 years ago, it's just like bizarre. I think Vince said... Vince says, think about how that specific scenario would help someone overcome their issue of talking in front of a large group of people. But only when they understand the variables, uh, right? Because people get, their fears of public speaking is often the unknown. So what I like to do is eliminate all the unknowns, right? Who are we speaking to? Why are we speaking? What are we speaking about? How are we going to be speaking? Are we using a microphone? Are we using a, 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 a lapel mic, a lavalier, a holding mic? Right? If right. you hold the microphone, that's really kind of scary to folks. If they've been practicing their speech using gestures, and then suddenly now they have only one hand, and now it's a completely disparate gesture. So those are very important things. If we can eliminate those things, then when you go and give your presentation, you're going to be a lot more confident because you'll understand exactly what to expect. Okay, so it's really I, it's so funny that you bring this up because a lot of people don't know this about me because I'm very extroverted on the show or if they've seen me on stage I'm very feel like I'm in control of the room right I, I present myself much much differently however if you if I walk into a bar cold or I first walk into the event I freak out like I I, I don't because if I don't know what the stage looks like I don't know what the surroundings look like I don't know how people are going to be looking or or they're how they're going to be positioned when I walk in the room so I notoriously show up so early to events, to anything, just yeah. to get aware of my surroundings to know so I can start going, okay, this is the mic we're using. This is, this is how the, the stage is going to be set up. This is how people are going to be watching and interacting. This is the layout of the sponsors. Right. Like I, I mean, do all of that. You do that a month before. Most people, if they're doing a keynote or a speaking event, have been hired a month or two before. So, for instance, when I have an event, let's say, at the Marriott in San Francisco, I can go downtown Los Angeles where I live. I'm in L.A. I can go to downtown L.A. and I can ask them, uh, can you show me your blueprint, your, your floor plans for your ballrooms? Is this one ballroom B in, in San Francisco, is it similar to one you have here? Oh, yes, but this one is just like it, actually. Oh, can you show me? I'll go in and I'll see maybe busboys folks setting up for a party or something. And I'm like, hey, gentlemen, would you like to be entertained? <laughs> and I'll do my presentation right there on that stage. A month, two months before, and then when I end up going to the event, it's as if that was in my consciousness, my dreams every night, right? Because people stress, sometimes they don't sleep well the night before a presentation. All of the variables are taken care of. <laughs> Where I'm going to speak, I know what I'm going to talk about, knowing our subject is very important. Now, memorizing a bunch of catchphrases and stuff, that doesn't help, right? That's, that's oh. a very key thing. By the way, I take notes on every single public speaking thing you can think of from uh, debates, politicians in their debates to the Apple events to uh, E3 all of the events were the, on the highest stage of business where people are presenting their products and services and I share those with my students so we can understand what is it they're doing that is distracting and incongruent pulling away from their message how they can be more effective right because most folks are not comfortable with public speaking they never spend time to work on it at all this is so cool cinnamon cinnamon wants to know what are your thoughts on branding oneself in business 
interesting. So people have to recognize, well, what is it you do? My girlfriend teases me all the time. Joshua, one thing. Just do one thing. No. Well, one thing about making a living. But I've got a lot of things I'm involved in, right? Because I teach, uh, well, let's, say, let's take a course that I do. I have a 10-week course called How to Get a Yes Every Time. And it's designed, uh, it used to be for engineers. I started it with DirecTV, and then AT&T bought them. It was great because I got a bump up, and they made me a preferred vendor. And it was very interesting. It was a one-man shop. And my course, their mandate was, Joshua, we have a challenge with our engineers being, yeah, getting them promoted. A lot of companies have that. 95% of our engineering force here in the United States is foreign-born. So get this. So I put together a 10-week course, and we go from everything from grammar and email correspondence, how to write more effectively. So I'm an English teacher, right? I'm teaching definite and definite articles and plurals and pronouns and prepositions. Each week, I introduce new idioms and vocabulary that they need to use in business and understand, not just know them, but use them. They learn uh, uh, presentation and uh, skills and like PowerPoints and also, of course, selling skills because they got to persuade people. Right. And then, of course, public speaking as well. So all three elements of it about how to do that effectively so they can get promoted. And my claim to fame is not that they become SVP. I love that. It's when they quit and they start their own companies and startups because now they have their own confidence to go and speak in front of series A or B or you know, BC rounds or whatever or angel meetings and such. Uh, so that, that's a key element of what I do. I coach a lot of people on Shark Tank contestants for the show. So it's about really being able to identify and grab that hook and engage people with what it is you do, how you do it, and why you do it. Okay, I, sorry, I'm going to jump back to the another question here because this is interesting to me. Um, Vince wants to know what the distinction between how augmented reality is going to be very different from virtual reality and how it can be used in a very different way from VR. Right. Does so that make VR, sense? We are, we are in a state, right? You wear a device and you look around and you're actually in the environment. In augmented reality, we see it now on our iPhones and stuff. We can take our phones, we can actually play a game on a tabletop. Right. We can create an environment and an experience in another reality, a real reality. So it's mixed. That's why we call it mixed reality. Right. And that's an augmentation. So the virtual reality is where it's very, very exciting of where we can go with this because you can create any space. My engineers now tell us that we, I, and let's say I had my eight or 10 week course, each week I can go to a different environment. So let, let's say this week we're gonna learn how to give a memorable toast. Right? So we can be in the backyard of a beautiful house for a wedding, or we can learn how to give a moving eulogy. We can be in a hall or something, or we can pull down whether it's a church, a synagogue, or a mosque or something. Or we can be, at, let's say, this is what's important to me, a, a parent, let's say with English as a second language, who wants to learn how better they can advocate for their child, and so we can have a nondescript high school auditorium at a PTA meeting. So each week can be a different kind of thing so we can go through and like good salespeople, what I teach this in sales training is to isolate and eliminate. So I can go through every venue, every concept, everything that you can think of. Then we can go over all the elements systemically of public speaking, eye contact, gestures, vocal variety, humor, implementation, construct of your speech, dynamism. If we can put all of those together, then we can mitigate the fears of public speaking. And now we can recreate what I cannot do in live coaching with my C-suite folks is recreate the environment and the euphoria of public speaking. So, okay. So now let's go back to the, the, what you were just saying about speaking. And so, you know, there's all of these mega events, these mega speaker events. There's, you know, there's, there's, um, they have many ones, they have big ones. They're all over the place. They, some of, you know, they're always in different locations. People have to travel. How long do you think it's before, how long 
how long do you think it'll take before we shift from going to an arena to watch people speak to going, now I'm going to stay here with my virtual reality and I'm going to log in and pay this fee to be a part of this event via virtual reality. We'll do that soon within three years. What, what's going to happen is we will do all kinds of things. We will maybe want the movie going experience. You know, one of the things I like about that movie pass, if you're familiar with it, which yeah. is very popular right now, I'm a big movie nut, and I love watching movies on big screen, 4K and all that stuff, but the experience in a movie theater is different today than ever before. Why? Because when I'm home and I get a text or a call, I pause. I just, because I'm so involved, you know, business-wise. You right. Know, things that you when I'm in a movie theater, I put everything on silent, I'm watching and I'm absorbed in that experience for two hours. I want that experience. So now with virtual reality, I could be sitting on my couch. It's a big deal to take off the device and go through a anyway. I would do the similar experience. Now the exciting part about this is that, okay, look, I don't want to talk to the clown next to me anyway. I don't want to, you know, these days we deal with people texting, right, on the phones in theater. I don't have to deal with any of those, uh, that, that element. Right. So, I am, I am concerned. I am concerned about losing that human interaction because, again, no matter how advanced we get with technology and all this stuff, Josh, we still got to pitch, present, and persuade. And we have to learn how to do it effectively. That's why I work with teams a lot, get the teams away from the screens. But I think it's really essential that as they get their, you know, at 15, 16, 17, they start to become self-aware. We start to realize, oh, shoot, people are watching me and they're judging me. And then it gets really worse when they're 30. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I tell people all the time. I said, please, trust me on this. If you are good at what you do, you're going to be asked to speak to a large group. If you wait until that time to develop the skill set, good, that's bread and butter for me. People call me all the time. Josh, next week i got to give a keynote at E3 or South by Southwest or, or I'm stressing out about this or that. What, what do I do? I said, what were you five years ago, man? You were coming up the, the, the ladder. You knew you think you were going and rocking and rolling. And you knew you had a message. So, why didn't you refine how you were going to present it? All right, let's get down to it now. And what you're saying is, too, is you're basically saying you're if you are a, a great attorney, if you're a great plastic surgeon, if you're a great dermatologist, if you're a great freaking whatever, an entrepreneur, like, you get to brand yourself. Like, that's part of the deal. And how you separate yourself and yeah. become that brand is you get to go on stage. You get to write books. Because doctors, lawyers, and uh, entrepreneurs are a big part of my business right now. Yeah. Okay. Now, doctors are interesting, right? When they speak, <laughs> I do programs for City of Hope for cancer doctors. This was even before I went to my own cancer experience. We talk about it a little bit. But the doctor now is presenting to four different people in an audience. People forget. They have people there to hear their research findings, what they've discovered. They are there to actually elicit funds and to get funding for their research, right? Different kind of way we present. Yeah. Different audience members. Third person is you have cancer patients who want to know more about what the hell we're going through. And then you have cancer patient families and caretakers who want to know how they best can assist and help people. So this is interesting. That speaker has to engage on many different levels. Yep. Right? It's like my engineers, I tell them, well, what do you do in C-suite when marketing people walk in the back of the room and you're giving a very jargon-laden, very technical talk? you got to shift gears because they won't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Too, right? Because now I'm having more and more transactional lawyers as clients. Why? Because they were corporate lawyers. They never expected to do trials. But some of the things with emerging markets now are so complicated. The firm says, no, I know, but you got to try this because our trial lawyers are not going to be able to handle it. And this guy's stressing out. Yeah. And I tell them, you have five people you're speaking to. 
You have the jury, who is very sophisticated these days, right? They watch CSI and Law and Order and Bowl or whatever, and they're saying, entertain this motherfucker. The jerk, you get the judge who's like, Don't give me any nonsense, I don't want any BS from you. Don't right. showboat. I think that's client who's wondering if he's going to jail or not, and or whether he's going to fire your ass. And then you've got the other opposing counsel who's waiting very eagerly to what you say and how you say it so he can object. Right. But then there's a fifth person that people forget about. They dismiss the galley, the people in the audience watching the proceeding that's going on. Why? Because if that lawyer is doing a good job, guess what? People are gonna come up after and ask you for your business card. That's true. So I tell people public speaking, by the way, if you're an entrepreneur, she was asking about branding, when you do public speaking, don't do it for applause. Don't do it because you're thinking I wanna get, that's not your, 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 your payment. Your payment is when people come up to you after and ask you for your business card. And for salespeople and entrepreneurs, that's the most effective lead generation and prospecting you can do. Unbelievable. That is that I've never heard anyone say that before, but it's spot on. It's so true. Because the, the applause means nothing if no one's asking for your card afterwards. Honestly. In every single environment I've ever worked, I would do that. Like yeah. in Vegas, they have these HR conferences. I would go and pester the lady, can I speak when I was director of corporate sales for a company called Berlitz Language Company for years? And they said, Josh, no, you guys aren't on the bill. You, 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 didn't, you, know, you gotta pay 15 grand, whatever, to speak at the event. I said, okay, here's my card. I'll be walking the floor. If you have any questions, if you, you have any stress, give me a call. Sure enough, Josh, Josh, uh, whatever, the folks couldn't make it. Hey, can, you, can you fill in? And I fill in. And I come in and I would do a presentation on for 45 minutes on how language and cultural training has changed in the 21st century. And boom, 700 people come up and ask me for my business card. Yeah. They had to move me to the next ballroom because I was disrupting the next speaker. That's, that's, that's awesome. The people can do this themselves and get in and get out. So here's okay. So everyone watching and listening right now is like, man, this Joshua guy has a shit together in every level. But what people need to know and understand is, and I'm in, I, your energy and your passion for what you do is inspiring me. But I also know what you've overcome. I want to know, like, it, it, like you've survived cancer, you've suffered tremendous loss that most people would not be able to handle. I want to know, and you can talk about that if you want, but I want to know what was the thing that got you off the mat and got you to fight and got you in this spirit of service and empowering people that you were in? I suppose I've had that a lot. You know, this young kid said to me recently, because I turned 50, we were talking, he said, man, Josh, you're old, man. And I said, shut up, man, kid, I'm just getting started. <laughs> and a buddy of mine who's known me all my life said, Josh, when you were 15, you said that line, if I'm just getting started, you know? And so it's about, sometimes we do go through these really difficult things and we say, what's this about? What's it even worth it for, right? I certainly went through that. I mean, I've, I've had four knee surgeries in the last three years. I didn't even tell you about that one. was crazy. One of my clients was a trampoline company. I put together the show in Vegas, having in uh, New York at the Japanese Convention Center. Some guy walks by and says, can I do that? <laughs> it's an Australian trampoline company. I had Olympians, all these people. I know not business doing this. My girlfriend's there going, no, no, no. I get up, I start jumping. I land. <laughs> I literally my left knee. I've had four knees. So the final one was a total knee replacement. And I had just gone through cancer. And I just went through chemo and radiation and all this shit. Uh, I never took time off. I went through chemo. I did chemo on Friday so I could be back to work on Monday. And it's, it's just, that's my approach. Because you have two ways to look at anything. It's your attitude. 
right? So it's either, whoa, shit, man, woe is me, why is all this bullshit always happening to me? Or two, you say, you roll up your sleeves, you embrace it, you look forward to adversity and challenge and say, I got this, I got this, right? I love that old accent, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. It's true. It is true. <laughs> Only if you can reconcile it, because if you ask me the same question, Josh, when I was going through my nonsense and all these LVAT challenges, I would have said, screw off, man, are you kidding? I get, you know, but you know how I found out I had cancer was the craziest thing. It, uh, my sister passed away in, in uh, December of 2010. In Jen, it was, it was just horrible. She had a uh, 41 years old. I grew up with four sisters. I was the only boy in nine grandkids. And Diane was just the light of my life. I loved her. I looked out after her all my life. She had scoliosis as a kid, wore a back brace, and had a lot of challenges and hearing issues and a lot of other concerns and, and problems that she encountered. And it was just very protective. So that was really hard for our family, for myself, of course. She had a, a procedure, a heart procedure, and it had complications. Passed away. Broke my heart. And it was hard because my father had been in the hospital for about six months, imminently dying. And so the struggles of the, all of this and to deal with that and then to have my father's eulogy and read for his words for my, my sister at the funeral because he couldn't go because he's in bed in the hospital. And then he passed away the next month. The next month after that, and by the way, just before my sister passed away, um, a company I was doing work with doing a lot of trainings, I uh, was traveling around the country quite a bit, uh, wasn't really amiable about me doing more webinars or staying at home because my dad was, I didn't want to be out of town if he passed away, they let me go. So I dealt with that, then my sister, then my dad, then passes away the next month. So what is this? This is just crazy, right? And my sisters and my family went through bereavement. They went through process. I wish I did that. I didn't. What did I do the next month? I get on my motorcycle and go for a ride and clear my head. And I have a bad spill and I break my collarbone and ribs and almost <sighs> go through this crazy freaking thing and experience, which I didn't tell my family about at the time. Oh. My mother, God bless, because I didn't want anyone worrying about me, what I went through. And because of that motorcycle accident, I broke my collarbone, I was feeling it all the time. A year and a half later, I'm feeling this, and I feel this mass, and I thought it was the uh, brake, because I had a compound brake at the time. And it wasn't, it was a chain of six nodules, and they discovered I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh my god. And now I gotta deal with that, but because of that experience, I found out about it. It's weird, you know? And then that began other things, and then other things, and then, so you have two ways to look at it, right? What was me? Why does this always happen to me? Or two, you say, okay, what's next? Wow. That is... In the middle of that, I got in a car accident. The guy hit me out of the blue. And now I had to deal with that. It was the easiest thing. The guy couldn't believe how easy going it was. He's like, man, it's okay. Are you all right? He said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Hey, hey, it's all right. We're good. We're alive. We're all good. Okay, and we do the exchange the insurance, though it's not a big deal. I mean, imagine, imagine that is a very frustrating thing for anybody who's been in a car accident, sure. dealing with all that. And, and <clears throat> wonderful if you survive, and obviously, many people don't, it's terrible. But when you've gone through that, you've come through it, and everything's working, go on, just, just move forward, deal with the inconvenience. We have inconvenience every single day. Vince wants to know, he says, I didn't hear it, but what is his vision for his life considering all of the challenges he's overcome? S speaking of you, of course. Well, I like to have purpose and vision. Uh, I do that in business. I teach that in my sales training classes, right? You should know what's going on, not just dynamic. You should know like your CRM. You should be really active and understand your, your flow. You should know what's happening. I can tell you my top 10 prospects for May, right? And what percentage chance of closing? 
that's helpful. I also do that in my personal life with my gal, with my wife, my mother at 81 living now, and, and, and um, how I make sure to spend the allocated time with everybody. That's, I teach a time to go management class, one of my most favorite modules, because I, I want people to be able to address and highlight the important things, and then to deal with the challenges that they have as well, and dismiss all the nonsense that we deal with every single day that corrupts our soul, man, it corrupts our, 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 our feelings. Our, our, we, you know, and even today, I think a lot of young kids, millennials particularly, are really struggling with anxiety and depression because they're constantly doing this compare and contrast. You know, what are my friends going through? What are they doing? Why are they so successful? What's happening to me? I'm, I'm behind the game. I'm, come on, who cares? You know, I mean, well, you care, but don't care is what I'm saying about that. Yeah. Golly, man. So I'm looking back and I, 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 I'm obsessed with bookshelves. I don't know what it is, but I, I'm obsessed with them. What would you say the most impactful book that you've read that's on that back shelf? Yeah, a lot, for sure. And I dig them, and I, I like books of all kinds of stuff. When, when kids come to my place, they always trip out about books because we don't buy books anymore. In fact, most of my newer books I buy on my iPad. I like to read on that, so you can have a lot more. But, you know, this book is interesting. It's uh, Dale Carnegie, right? How to Win Friends and Influence People. But wow. It's a newer version on how to win friends and influence people in the digital age. You know, this is a, a major business bestseller. Most people have heard of it. Most people in business have read it, you know. And it's essential, essential. There's a chapter on there just about the power of using someone's name, Josh, right? Right. When we use someone's name, that's the, the, the most exciting thing people hear. But it's not just about complimenting someone. It's about saying, listen, I'm listening to you. I'm connected with you right now. Someone asked me that recently. Josh, I'm terrible at remembering names. How can I remember things? I said, well, listen, when you're talking to someone, this is what people do. Immediately, the first thing we do is introduce and give each other names before we even know that person. We haven't even processed if I want a connection with this human being yet. There's a lot of people we need to find. So most people we kind of dismiss. Right. So take a moment, get to know the person, talk to the person, and engage, and then see all these extraordinary qualities because every single person has one. If you are curious like you are and you ask questions, and then what's going to happen? Then you're going to say, by the way, I'm Josh. What was your name again? I'm Joshua. Name. <laughs> it's Tom. And then Tom. Now I can do the other tricks of associating the name and this, that, the other. But then now that name has meaning to me, it has significance to me. And that's really key because other before it was just a name. It was just word. It was not a human being's moniker. Yeah. Right? Wow. Man, Joshua, I, 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 I'm so... I'm so blessed and happy you came on the show. This is this has been so much fun. I, I'm so... I, again, I, I just can't thank you enough. And I'm... I'm a big fan of you, and I love what you're up to. I love what you're about. And if there's anything I can do to ever support you, you know, please let me know because I, I just I think you're fantastic, and I love what you're doing for the world. I appreciate it. You know, there's a lot of sometimes we look at our lives and we think they're so hard. You know, my mother came to this country with not a word of English, which is why I love working with people, particularly with English as a second language, who have challenges in presenting. Everybody has years of public speaking, but when English is your second language, it's even harder. Sure. And my mother came to this country in night, uh, during the war, she was born in Dusseldorf and hidden in Rixensar, Belgium. That's how they escaped before my grandparents hid her. And after the war, we were able to collect her and my uncle, who was hidden in a boys' camp. They came to the United States in 1949. My uncle, with no English, and my mom, worked very hard, worked on their English, 
went to MIT, became an engineer, worked at IBM for 30 years. My mother wanted to be a doctor, Josh, but in the 50s, it wasn't so easy for women. And in 1959, she became a nurse. And in 1959, she went back to Germany as a first lieutenant in the US Army Nurse Corps. Wow! My dad was in the JAG Corps. He was a military lawyer. He waited for her for two years. She came back and then became senior transplant coordinator at UCLA for 25 years. Extraordinary woman, president of NACO, it's the National Association of Transplant Coordinator. And such an inspiration for me all the time about that focus. And, and then, you know, having one of the lawyer's family, she made a pact with her brother. They're going to have big families, right? He had four daughters, <laughs> she had son. And, and it was really kind of a, a significant thing about the choices that people make about how they're going to live their life going forward after trauma or just extraordinary challenge in their lives. And so I appreciate that. I think that's a really significant thing. It's a lesson we can all learn about our own empathy and, and taking the time to really listen to what other people's stories are and the challenges they're going through and not dismiss them. When are you going to write a biography on your life and your family? Well, is uh, not concluded, but it's gotten to a point maybe it has something to share. I, right now, people ask me to write books. I say, for what? To, to make money? To sell at the back of the room in a presentation? I, for uh, credibility? Dude, you're a New York Times best. You're a New York Times bestseller. I mean, Vince, uh, you, he, you are making him want to play a much larger game, is what he's referring to. Um, Cinnamon, I love this live. Thank you for sharing y'all's wisdom today. Uh, thank you. I mean, like everybody, every one of these comments are like, thank you. This is amazing. I enjoyed this. This was terrific. This was, thank you so much, man. God bless you. And I will see you very soon, Josh. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was amazing. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Like, it's like no matter where you are in your life, you can look back at, you can just hear that conversation and know it's going to be okay. Oh, you can just shift your perspective. I mean, overcome loss, overcome broken bones, overcome car accidents, overcome cancer. Keep fighting, keep going. There is a way out for all of you. All of you. God, what a show. I would have talked to him for four hours and I would look at the clock going, oh, I promised him 30 minutes. Um, absolutely amazing. You guys follow him on social media. He's not a Facebook guy. Go to Twitter, go to LinkedIn, uh, go to Instagram. He's up to some big things. Uh, just an amazing guy. And some of you, I think he would be a really powerful connection for you. Um, really, really transforming. I, I forgot who introduced me to him but it was a wow connection. And I just, guys, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. Listen, God bless all of you. Thank you so much for watching today. And I'll see you very soon. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier reminding you that every day a portion of every firehouse subs purchase goes towards helping first responders. Try the new pastrami Reuben, loaded with hot pastrami, sweet and tangy slaw, and melted Swiss. For a limited time, get a medium pastrami Reuben for just $6.39. Firehouse subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time offer at participating locations. Firehouse subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.